So today we celebrate uh, Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete Sunday is uh, the translated, it means rejoice. And we can see that throughout the readings. In the, in the first reading, the prophet Isaiah, he says, I rejoice heartily in the Lord, and my God is the joy of my soul. Our responsorial psalm, which is taken from the Gospel of Luke today, my soul rejoices in my God. St. Paul says to, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, which is the second reading, rejoice always. Even in the opening prayer, the collect, I prayed, enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. The whole liturgy for today is calling, the church is calling us to rejoice at what God has done and what, in what he's going to do. Even the color that I'm wearing is called rose. No, I'm not joking, it really is. It's called rose. It's, it's, all the liturgical documents say rose. Um, and it's a mix of the penance of the penitent color of purple, violet, that, that's the rest of Advent, and the rejoicing, like, uh, fulfilled celebratory color of white, which will be Christmas. So now that we're three weeks in, we're at this place of, of like, joyful anticipation. But what does it mean to rejoice? Truly, what, is it, what does it mean to rejoice? Well, I think we can recognize that to rejoice means that we're responding to, there's, there's a response within us to something good. That, that spontaneously comes to us when we experience something good. Another way to look at it is St. Paul kind of uses when he says, um, in all circumstances give thanks, right after he says rejoice always. Right, so in, in essence to rejoice is to revel in gratitude for the goodness that we've received. And when I think of that as a New Orleanian, like, I think of the Saints winning the Super Bowl. Like, there is no greater time, I think, after Katrina, like, this kind of, like, newness that the Saints, like, won the Super Bowl and the whole city was rejoicing. The whole city rejoiced. And not just the city, the whole Gulf Coast region was rejoicing. And there was this deep rebelty and this, like, palpable joy. I, I, I was with uh, my, my sister and my sister's friends who were all at LSU at the time. They were all college students. I was in the seminary. We are at my parents' house. We watched the game at my parents' house. And they're like, we got to go downtown afterwards. So we went downtown after the game. And I tell you, like, New Orleans, the New Orleans that we know now is not the New Orleans that was there in 2008, 2009. Like, there was no division. There was no fear. Like, it was just pure rejoicing in community. 
Unfortunately, that rejoicing didn't last because we have yet to return to the Super Bowl. Um, and the last few years have been closer to the desert than... <laughs> um, but that first level, so there's like two levels to rejoicing. There's that natural level, right? That is the emotion that springs up, that's connected to our bodies. Which is good in and of itself. God gave it to us. Right? But there's a second level that's spiritual, that's connected to our souls. And it's that deeper level, right, that we rejoice, that rejoicing aids in our supernatural rest. Right? And it's a gift. It's, we always experience emotions in general. They're not things that we can generate ourselves. It's not like, I'm going to be happy right now. If that existed, depression wouldn't exist, right? But depression very much exists. So that's not something that we can do, right? But even the, the, the spiritual experience of joy, right, is a gift. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the difference between the, the natural joy and supernatural joy is that the supernatural joy is going to last significantly longer. Because it goes deeper. Sort of like if you've ever had surgery, depending on how far that doctor cuts, it's how long that that, that scar and that pain's gonna last. <laughs> it also, that spiritual joy will often stir us into action to do something else. Whereas the natural joy, usually it's at the end of something and we're like, now I'm done. This, this is the feeling of being done. Sort of like the joy, the very natural but very pure joy of looking at your sink and all the dishes not being there. Because it's a real joy, y'all. <laughs> but it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't last. Like, you know, because the dishes keep arriving. Right. So here's the thing. The church says that we should be rejoicing today. But that might not be the way that we feel. They, they might not like, collide. The church calls us to rejoice as we anticipate the coming of Christ. And for some of you who are not of the humbug, bah humbug variety, might already be feeling that rejoicing spirit. Right? What goods are you reveling? The lights, the generosity, the, the, the general festiveness of this time, the experience of being with or, or the, the hopeful being with family that you haven't seen, the food. <laughs> and for some of you, the cold weather, the sometimes cold weather. I was looking at the... I, was, I think it's going to be 70 degrees on Christmas Day. Very disappointed by that. And, and that's good. Like, the gift that you're experiencing that right now is, is good. Right? But we also know that that's short-lived. Right? The world kind of, like, turns over on December 26th. And, like, that joy of Christmas just, like, goes away. 
But no, there might be some of you who are of the bah humbug variety. You know, I've been there. You know, you don't feel like rejoicing, and you don't have that feeling, because if you look at those same six things, right, the lights are too bright, and you have that neighbor who has set up this huge light show that if you connect to a certain radio station, it will play the, the lights to the radio, the song on the radio, and it's just like you're in a billboard the whole night. Which again, I think is awesome, but I'm glad I don't live next to anybody like that. Right? Or people's generosity. Like, okay, that, that's great that they're generous now, but I know those same people <laughs> during the rest of the year. They ain't so generous. Right? Or the, the, the general festiveness that it can have this feeling of just being too sweet. You know that like all of this other stuff is going on. People are dying, there's war. It just it feels too like. You know where you get that taste in your mouth when you've had something that you can tell is too sugary and you're just like... Right, and I don't have this problem, but I know for some, of, some people, their experience of family is not good. Like, that's not something to rejoice in. It's just a mess and drama. You know, the food. For some people, like, they're like, I don't like turkey, or I don't like ham. Or that, all, that aunt always brings the really weird 1970s salad that includes marshmallows and some other things <laughs> that everybody looks at and they're like, should I get some just so that she doesn't, you know? <sighs> For some of you, you hate the cold. You're very happy that it's going to be a 70-degree Christmas, you know. So we, it's, you can come, we're coming from both sides. Some of you are rejoicing, some of you are bahumbugging. That's okay. Like, that's just where you are. But whether you're feeling it or not, our emotions aren't for their own sakes. Like, those things that we experience either the, the moving towards in the rejoicing or the aversion from in the kind of like broken parts of this year. They're supposed to be the gasoline for our action. That's, wh that's why God gave us emotions. So that they could be the gasoline for us to make the right action. So why should we rejoice? Well, the lights and all of the things, they're supposed to direct us to something beyond themselves. If we just stick and rest in the lights or in the food or in, in the family is good at that, the general festiveness as it is, like, that's insufficient. It's all good, but it's not our greatest good. Like making it to the playoffs. That's good. But it's not the greatest good. Right? And we might make it to the playoffs, despite... Anyway. 
So what is it, why should we rejoice? Well, all of those things point to three realities. First, that we celebrate again the reality that God became man. St. Alphonsus Liguri says that um, if God had asked of us anything, would we have deigned to think to ask him to become a little child? We would never have thought in the depths of our creativity for that. But that's what he does. He wants to, to change all of human experience. He has to do that by starting with the beginning of human, of human experience in the womb and on. Second, we continue to experience his revelation, his coming, every time that we celebrate the liturgy in Mass. I don't think, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but every time that we celebrate Mass, we essentially celebrate Christmas. Christ comes to us by humble means. And what looks like bread, and what looks like wine. Angels are singing. Glory to God in the highest. God's plan is revealed to the whole world. And just like Christ, when he arrives, most of the world doesn't notice. The same. And it quite literally changes the world. So every Mass that we celebrate is a Christmas. Are you st- starting to see like where, my, where, where you, our hearts might be and where the reality is and how they maybe not be together? Am I before Mass every time getting all of those lights and the Christmas tree up and everything ready because Christ is coming? It's easy to get excited about Christmas. It's not as easy to get excited about his continually coming to us in the Eucharist. And then finally, his third coming, to sometimes we're deathly afraid of, is his coming at the end of time or at the end of our lives. But rather, that's something for us to rejoice in, that his plan is now coming to fulfillment. And we might be afraid because we're not ready, but whose fault is that? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> right? Now, how do we get from this natural experience of joy or this bahumbergery? How do we get from there to this spiritual experience of rejoicing. Well, the first thing that we, we, we have to acknowledge is that we can't generate joy. It's a gift 
that we receive from the Spirit. So we can't go looking for this gift like we did when we were children and we tried to find out where our parents had hid the presents. It's, this is not going to work. See, we have to run to the giver of the gift. Which means that we have to put in the time in prayer to love him. Notice, I said to put in the time of prayer to love him. Not, to do, not necessarily to do this novena or this thing or this thing or this thing. But we have to have that time where we just love him. Nothing more. And also from that comes our lo- like the growth in our love of our neighbor. In that our heart is being tilled. We're setting up the Christmas lights. We're putting up the tree. We're, pa- we're wrapping the presents. Preparing for his coming. Because we know how great it is. And we have to be willing to travel like John the Baptist into the joyless desert. We have to be willing to follow Christ into that desert and be okay eating locusts and honey. We have to be willing to suffer that for the sake of what will come. Because if we're not willing to enter into the cross, we cannot experience the resurrection. We have to work at surrendering our control. I know it might sound like a, 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 a I'm repeating myself, but I am. Because <laughs> it, it needs to get in my brain, and if I'm the priest and it needs to get in my brain, I'm just taking a general assumption that it might need to get in yours as well. You need to surrender control. This, this illusion that we can operate and manage our lives to a minor degree. And we have to imitate the Christ child who is obedient to Mary and the Joseph. The God of the universe. This still boggles my mind. The God of the universe was obedient to, to his creation. The ones he created, he put himself under. And I have the gall to challenge the church. To say that I know better. And those things though, when we choose to love him and just to be with him in love, when we're willing to travel into that suffering, when we're willing to surrender ourselves and imitate Christ in his, in his obedience, what happens is naturally from that, the fruit of the, the spirit of joy begins to manifest itself in us. And we can rejoice at his coming. Not, not just on the natural, but on the supernatural. 
And my brothers and sisters, I know how powerful that is. I've experienced it in my own life, and I have read it time and again with the lives of the saints. I'll give you one as this final, this final uh, piece. Mother Teresa. Everybody knows Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa loved in an extraordinary way. Like, in an almost inhuman way. She was able to go into the most disgusting parts of Calcutta and love those men and women who had been thrown. People were literally lying in their own mess with maggots around them. Like, and she would go and she would kiss them and she would pick them up. This little tiny woman would pick them up and bring them to, to their little convent and clean them up and love them. The last 30 years of her life, she died in around her, her 80s or so, the last 30 years of her life, she did not feel God's love. It's a part of the, the spiritual life called the dark night of the soul, where God, in order for help, uh, to help us to bring union, we have to separate, like, not be attached to any of our feelings, including those spiritual ones. And so she didn't feel that. <laughs> but she knew it. That even though she didn't feel it, she lived it. That it was still the case within her that she was a joyful woman. If anybody were to have encountered her, she would have encountered them with great joy. Even men and women who were not living a good and holy life. Because she met a lot of politicians. Oh, did I say that out loud? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, uh, she met everyone. You could see the joy manifest within her. And she was so excited to greet Christ every day, so much so that the very beginning of her day was spent with Mass at 5 o'clock in the morning, followed by a holy hour. Every day, she would wake up. And I can't imagine that her body wasn't fighting her every morning those last two decades. Because the pictures that I've seen, I mean, she died in, what, 98, 97, right? And the pictures that I saw, I mean, she was only about this tall, you know. But, but the pictures that I saw, she was about this tall because she had so bent over because of scoliosis or some other thing. Like, I can't imagine that that, and me, like, I don't want to wake up. Like, what do I got? A pain in my toe. Whatever. No. This is, what, this is what the church is calling us to today, is to, to reach this place of just supernatural joy. So that when we say, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. 
We don't just see this remembering of what Christ did, but that we rejoice in what he is doing right now.